Hello, and welcome back to This Island Postpartum. This is our second ever episode. Um, We're a little later getting this out than we intended, mostly because I am still caring for a newborn, which is, turns out, very time-consuming. I lost a little of the initial adrenaline rush of the first few weeks, Um, so this has been happening in the spare nap time moments. Um, But, you know... This pace is maybe part of the heart of this project is, you know, slowness and letting things happen in their own time. Um, So really excited about this episode because it's the first one that features um, my partner in this project, Sophia Cardillo. Um, I'm really excited for you to get to know Sophia and to continue to get to know me. through this conversation and the ones that will follow. Um, and you'll hear a little from Sophia about her background and a lot from her and I about, um, you know, what's going on with us. But she is, I think, the perfect person to be joining this project. So yeah, this episode is um, kind of a follow-up to the first one where Sophia and I sort of have a conversation about a bunch of the stuff I bring up in my audio diary episode. So if you haven't listened to the first episode, you'll probably want to check that out first. Um, but either way, I think you'll find a lot of good stuff in this conversation. Um, and I was just really grateful to have a friend asking me good questions in this time where it's just even finding time to process and um make meaning out of what's going on is hard it's hard to find that time sometimes so so grateful for Sophia really grateful for these conversations and looking forward to continuing them um I do want to note that we're still sort of working out the kinks with our audio setup um so there's a few weird moments of you know cutting each other off or We're trying to find the best way to record remotely because Sophia's in um, North Dakota and I am in Pittsburgh and, you know, figuring out technology is always an adventure. So bear with us um, and we'll keep trying to find better solutions, but I think you'll get the gist of what we're trying to say. So without further ado, episode two of This Island Postpartum. Hello. Hello. Hi, Sophia. Hi, Amy. We are recording from across the United States. Across the plains. And I'm in the hills. And it snowed like three quarters of an inch this morning. Really? I have snow outside my window, too. Maybe an inch and a half. At least it's coating. It's coating the... can't see the grass. Yeah, here, too. Mm. We are in true winter. And it's the last day of the year. We're recording on the last day oh. of 2020. <laughs> How apt. How apt. Podcast to have grown in this year and the seed to be planted at the end. Yeah. Yeah. That feels mm-hmm. good to be beginning at the end. I was, I mean, we'll, we'll do more introduction stuff in a second, but I was like trying to reflect on the year oh. and like make like I like want to make something but I have no creative energy right now I feel you there but look at us you've arrived here you're sitting right now and like something's being made of this conversation right now yeah that's true this is (laughs) even here 
Well, this is The Silent Postpartum, mm-hmm. um, and I'm Amy Bornman, <laughs> and I am a mom of a four-week-old now. Today, he is four weeks old, Tommy. Mm. And yeah, that's the biggest thing I am right now. That's how I feel identified the most at the moment. Mm-hmm. Yep, should I introduce myself as well? Yeah, I think you should. This is the first episode with Sophia on it. Yes! Oh, I just feel so privileged. It's such a gift to be invited to the island. Oh. you, Amy. <laughs> and to uh, revisit the island. I mean, I'm still a, a visitor there. But my name is Sophia, and my daughter is almost two and a half years old. She'll be officially two and a half years in January. And I am also an artist, a maker, background in theater. Um, that's actually where Amy and I met, was at our college theater ensemble program. And <laughs> budding friendships and now moms together and I also just feel like part of my introduction is that Amy has always been that mom friend you've always been that mom friend for me even before you were a mom oh wow that's that's awesome yeah we've always been talking about motherhood and like you know reading the same books together and podcasts and it just feels like so like good to be doing this with you um yeah well yeah, a little bit more about me. I am in last year, um, did my training as a birth and labor doula. It's been a slow start with 2020, but that's kind of my hope for 2021 is to be serving and walking alongside expectant pregnant people and helping them navigate um, motherhood. Um, I also host like or my dream is to, all of this is like pandemic pause, who am I, what is my work conversation, but I also host workshops and motherhood support groups and um, really love to facilitate conversation and gatherings um, for storytelling. And so lots of dreams about where that will go, but you can find me on Instagram at BideWith and yeah. Did I miss something, Amy? It's like very hard for me to like summarize <laughs> myself. And similar to you, I hear you like, I am the mother. Like that was like the first thing that feels like a big part of who I am, but not all of who I am. But yet it is this thing that completely like changed me forever. So, yeah, I don't, I think you, I think you hit on at least some of the things. Yeah. And the rest will fall out. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, it's I mean, you saying that I was like a mom friend before I was a mom. It's I've, I'm just so like, I really wonder why that was such a thing for me. Mm-hmm. And it's not. And it always kind of has been. And pregnancy was so overwhelming because of that, because I'd sort of like known that I was going to do this yeah. for my whole life, but not even in a way where it's like, I want to be a mom. It's just yeah. like, I think I've always known that this is that motherhood is something I would have to process through and reckon with. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that it was something that would 
be a part of my life in one way or another. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, like it's I'm I'm glad that you are able to like identify me that way because it mm-hmm. feels true. Yeah, but also maybe that's kind of weird, <laughs> you know. A bit weird, but also just true. I think that it isn't, I think sometimes you can think, and this isn't bad either, but there are also those people that, I can't wait to be a mom. My whole life's gearing up to be a mom. It wasn't like that for you or for me. Mm -mm. It was just the specific thing of like becoming your personhood and growing your skills and creativity and vocation and work at the same time holding this tension of someday I want to like bear life and see mm-hmm. how that messes me up what happened to me in, in my life <laughs> it was it was and just interested in stories I think that's always been center too for you as a storyteller is like you were always reading these books like I remember I actually was going to try and look up a quote maybe we'll find it later but I remember just a few weeks into me having my daughter you um, recommending Department of Speculation to me oh yeah the audio of it and so like you were reading the stories and knowing the things before experiencing them and then so that was such a lifeline to me and I I do remember there's a passage from this book that's what I wanted to look up where she talks about like maybe she's breastfeeding or maybe just the baby is just lying on her naked body and she describes her body as if it's an island like if it's a beach and like the baby just washed ashore to her beach oh wow yeah we should find that quote looking up like where am I (laughs) 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 and not a lot of it sticks with me because I read it I listened to it during those like first few weeks haze yeah that image really does and you shared that with me so I hope that grounds the like how you were my mom friend before you were a mom oh it does yeah I forgot that I shared that book with you but I remember you telling me like I'm listening to the audio while I nurse and walk with the stroller and you know yeah I reread that book while I was pregnant Mm mm-hmm and it's by Jenny Offal. We'll put a link to it in the show notes or something. Mm-hmm. Well, and I like the language you used of like knowing that motherhood would kind of mess me up. Mm-hmm. Like I like the term mess you up <laughs> because it really like that's how it feels. I feel messed up right now. Oh. And I knew I would. Yeah. And I what's so funny about experience experiencing this for real now after thinking about it literally for my whole life Mm. with fear and trembling um is that it true like everything I thought about it every way I thought it would be has come true Mm. but I have to like um now I have to like take my own advice or or like remember all the like perspective and like meaning making I'd already done in the past Mm. you know which is really hard because in the moment it just all feels like an emergency and it really like truly does like mess up my mind which I Mm. I knew it would and I expected and and also like to be aware that I'm being transformed or changed in some way 
is so interesting from the inside because it just doesn't feel meaningful, you know? I can't. Yeah. Yeah. It's so hard to, like, I feel like a lot of my, I, well, and I don't know if I gave a lot of my work background in the first episode, but I'm a, I'm a designer. I design sewing patterns. That's sort of my like money making work right now which is a really cool job that I never expected to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and my other work is I'm a writer and I'm a poet, mm-hmm. um, which is really like just... And the, a plug, just like interrupt you, who also just released a book the last couple weeks. That's I did. Out. Yeah, my book is called There's a Future and it just came out and you can get it on my website, amyborman.com. Um. Yeah, so as a poet, I feel like, and just as a writer in general, like, my work is to make meaning, Mm -hmm. and to, poetry is all about, like, taking something in the world and and looking at it really closely and tying it to other things, Mm -hmm. Um, and right now, I feel really intercepted in that work. I don't know how to make meaning right now, Mm -hmm. which is fine and appropriate, and... Yeah. Right now, my biggest job is survival and mm-hmm. um, helping something else survive. Yeah. But it's making life. Yeah, being the beach that mm-hmm. the baby can wash up on. Yes, and like another image that it's like the eye of the hur- hurricane. Like you're in the middle of the storm, and when you're, mm-hmm. you can't really explain it or tell the story of it, even though we are kind of attempting to tell stories here as we talk together. It's, it's so hard to do to have that because so much of the meaning comes with perspective, you know? Yeah. Well, and it is interesting too, like as soon as I have a minute to myself, Mm -hmm. it comes back, you know, like when I take baths, my brain automatically like goes back into myself, Mm. but for so short a time, like it's, it's um, almost jarring and, like, kind of painful, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It is. Um, yeah, I sensed that. It was so lovely listening to your audio diary, and I re-listened to it this morning because cause it kind of just transplants you, like, or for me, and I hope, like, other people listen, it just transplants me back into that time where it was so hard to make meaning out of it. It was so just, like, I'm living breath to breath, feeding, mm-hmm. nap to nap, and, but just to, like, witness that, it's a gift. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, caring for a, a newborn, maybe in particular, is pretty crazy making. <laughs> I'm learning. Mm-hmm. The first few weeks were like true, true chaos. Yeah. Um, and now he's four weeks old. So I feel like the last week has been like chaos that I'm supposed to start to like manage. And that has created like a new phase of craziness in my mm-hmm. brain because I'm I'm constantly trying to find the solution and do the things right. Mm-mm. And that's impossible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but... <laughs> But I feel myself like striving for some some sort of perfection that isn't a real thing that I and I don't know how to like shift out of that mindset. Mm. 
And I think it's because there's like so much advice and so many methods uh, and so many blogs and like I need to stop googling too things. Too much. <laughs> I need to stop looking at four week old nap schedule. Yes. dot com. It's you know. This maybe for someone, but yeah. But it's so tantalizing. Like it's so um, attractive to have someone say like, "Oh no, you can, you can." make it work and here's how you know because I so badly want things to start to um I so much want to have expectations right now yeah that's the hardest thing yeah what the next hour will hold the next yeah 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 even to the point where like Tommy has started taking like a pretty consistent nap around 10 30 a.m every day Mm -hmm. and I'm I'm trying to like keep hold that really loosely mm-hmm. even though it's been like pretty much every day he like can take a good nap at this time but I want to like not I'm trying to force myself mm-hmm. not to depend on that you know gosh every day I I like try to be like it might not work don't get excited uh, like he might not uh, sleep yes <laughs> that is that is the lesson for for all or or maybe the better word is like practice for like mm. or life it's that that practice of detachment and letting yeah salt and finding a way to think like okay what whatever my effort or my control still has no power <laughs> like it's yes creating things and making them happen uh, yeah. uh. <laughs> sorry to go there but it's very um, that was my dryer. Can I ask you some questions about your episode? Yeah, I'm excited to like mm-hmm. revisit mm-hmm. the self of two weeks ago. Yeah, you know, I, I mean, that's some of my questions are like, okay, what's changed or what's different? But like, first, um, it's more of like. A question I was wondering there so much of that first episode kind of centers on the crisis of Tommy not getting enough food breast milk and you having to go to this intense schedule of pumping and supplementing and mm-hmm. and measuring everything and I just there was one moment that you like said something like I wonder like in a few weeks like how I will look back and extend compassion to myself and I thought that was just such a lovely way to say that and so I almost wanted to give you an opportunity for that like and like considering like where you are now and like considering where you were two weeks ago and all that you were doing like what does it feel like now to give compassion to yourself and receive that and like, do you have any thoughts about that? Oh, that's such a great question. I mean, I think what it makes me want to do is give compassion to myself now, yeah. you know? Yeah. Because, like, and, and I think I did, I'm really proud of myself for the way I moved through that time. Mm-hmm. Because I really, I think I did a good job of taking care of my baby, you know? Yes, you did. And, and he is 
And I'm also like, I'm really happy to report that breastfeeding is going really well now, like probably better than it should be. Or I, I don't know, like it's, we've, from, Mm -hmm. from where it was and, and what I thought was going to happen. Like I was just, I was really nervous that my supply would remain really, really low and that we would have to keep doing this like super intense, either like exclusively pumping or cause his latch was also really bad at that point. And um, it just was really not clear which direction our breastfeeding experience would take. And you really like no person gets to know how their body's gonna react to this, you know? Like you don't get to choose that. Um, so I'm, yeah, I'm happy to report that we're basically like exclusively breastfeeding and I'm having to pump a lot less and he just seems to be getting what he needs at the breast, which is incredible and mm. exactly what I was hoping for. But I, but I, similar to the napping thing, like I decided to like not hope for that too mm-hmm. intensely to the point where I like needed it, you know, I, I would have been okay if we had to do formula or yeah you know, exclusively pumping, I would have also been okay, you know? So yeah, I think, I think I can say that I'm really proud of myself and also say again, like that was a really hard few days mm-hmm. of huge intensity. And, and there was one point where once we went back for a weight check, the pediatrician was like, you did it. You did a really hard thing. Like these past few days were, I like what I asked you to do was not easy. Um, Cause it was just like a really intense schedule with very little time to regroup. Yes. And now we have a lot more um, flexibility. Mm. So I think like it helped me become more adaptable and like resilient as a parent, like right away. Yes. And now I think I need to like hang on to that resiliency when new things come up, you know? Yeah. I hear you saying things like compassion feels like permission, giving yourself permission to not to like, you know, your ideals, let go of your ideals or let go of the way you thought you were going to do it and like permission for whatever the outcome is. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And like, I think I'm really like all of taking care of Tommy so far has required like a sense of action Mm -hmm. that I hadn't had to have in this way, really in at all in my life you know like most things in my life to this point have like I've been able to like take my time and do them when I'm ready and like my even with my work and my um just sort of like the life that I've had has had so much space for me to like set up how my day is and eat when I want to eat and like take care of myself really well and having a baby has like changed me to having to like act and react according to someone else's needs Mm. in such a so much more than I ever had before you know and I think I have found that really exhausting but I think I'm also really like 
I'm amazed at how quickly I was able to sort of like kick that into gear and just like do what I needed to do. And, you know, but I think I am starting like four weeks is like it, I feel now like it's been four weeks of this, you know, of this intensity. Mm-hmm. And I'm starting to be like, not have as good of an attitude, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. yeah. That elation, that like, right. That, like, that kind of unstoppableness. Like, yes, you're needed, the action. But I mean, I remember just feeling so powerful so strong in those first early days and even I heard that in your story like yes I had this unmedicated labor I brought this person into the world I'm doing these even Mm -hmm. though we're encountering challenges like that kind of that spirit can kind of carry you and then and then it's normal for it to fall in the next few months and feel like okay this is now every day it's oriented around this person and there is a lot of loss in this and a lot of really hard things yeah 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 and my own attitude like really affects me like and it was kind of like that when I was in labor too like I was so frustrated when I would have a contraction that like took me down you know I'd be like I should be do I should be like breathing through this like a champ you know like and some contractions I would and other contractions I just was like I'm like I'm drowning in this you know and And some, like, I, it's interesting to me how when I, like, react poorly to being needed, I feel so bad, you know? Like, Mm -hmm. I feel better when I can keep my head above the water. But, but like, I can't do that all the time. And I can't expect that of myself. Mm -hmm. And it's okay if my attitude isn't always, like, I've got this, you know? (laughs) Like, Mm -hmm. Sometimes I don't got it. Sometimes I wish the baby hadn't woken yeah. up screaming at 4 a.m., you know? Mm. <sighs> but I do feel better when I have a good attitude. So, you know. <laughs> but yeah. I don't know. It's how, how to accept all those in-between moments. Because they all belong yeah. and they all exist and you're right. You're right. Oh, it yeah. is really hard to do the tasks when, like, you're frustrated, when you're angry, when it's not, yeah, so real. Another thing I was, this is kind of totally kind of separate, but those moment when you were um, singing to Tommy Boy, oh my <laughs> god, I was just like... Uh, you guys, I also know the the show tunes, Amy, the mm-hmm. Broadway presence that you also have inside of you. But those just tender, yeah. tender moments. So thank you for sharing that moment. And I just thought, like, oh, Amy's gonna remember that. I think you're yeah. gonna remember singing to your child, and you're gonna remember the songs that like held you and the songs that you sang. And I was just curious, what other what other music or songs are like holding you or holding Tommy right now? Oh, it's been so fun to, I've been singing to him a lot and I've been singing to myself a lot. Mm-hmm. Like, I think it's for both of us. It's not just for him. Or, 
I actually realized recently that he like goes down for his nap a little easier if I don't sing to him, which is a little sad to me. But you know, that's okay. <laughs> but it's been like I've just been like experimenting with different songs. Mm-hmm. Some of my top lullabies recently have been River by Joni Mitchell. Coming on Christmas, they're cutting down trees. Um, and also the one that I, the like lullaby that I planned all along, like while I was pregnant to have be like a main lullaby for Tommy, which I don't know if other people ever like think about that. Like, this is what I'm going to sing to my child. Um, but it's You Can Close Your Eyes by James Taylor, mm-hmm. which if you don't know this okay. song, you should listen to it because it's really beautiful. And, and it's like basically like already a perfect lullaby. Like it's kind of written that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but now like it's having actually sung it to my child, like in times of like contentment and times of like, okay, like you need to, this needs to soothe you now, you know. Like, like when you're clinging to it, you're like, all I have left is this, these words and these. Right. Like I can't think of any other song. This is the song that I planned to sing, so I'm gonna sing it, and hopefully the like vibration of my chest <laughs> will will soothe you, child. You know, like it's been so interesting to like learn the reality of like what a lullaby is, and that it's not just this like romantic like oh, I'm, like, singing to my child and he's lulling off to sleep. Like, it's also, like, a like a life raft that you're clinging to as a parent. Like, maybe this will work yeah. now, you know? It's so... And so that's been... It's interesting to, like, now have that song be that to me, too. Mm. I love that. I love how you put that, like, a life raft for you as well. We're just going with all these island metaphors. <laughs> It's a good metaphor. It's so apt. It's so good. It has a lot has a lot in it. But I just oh. Yeah, like cuz I I don't know. I'd be curious to like hear from others. Let us Well, I want to do you do you have any songs that I you are like this is what I sang to Penny? I do. And it's funny. Well, one was like this song that was like on my labor playlist. And then it just became the early first postpartum days. And it was um, like the Lord reigns, but it was about the flood. It's the floods have lifted up, oh Lord. The floods have lifted up their voice mightier mm-hmm. than the sound of many waves. So it was just, it just felt like that season to me. It felt like labor. It felt like, and so I would, mm-hmm. like be singing it to Penny and like, can we just sleep now like I did that same way like (laughs) need for like these waves these floods of like everything hormones your body everything to just like cease and lift um like well and singing is like such a release like it's it's really it's it makes you breathe it makes you Mm -hmm. like focus on text and melody and like use your voice And I remember even in one of Ina May's Gaskin's books, she said like singing during labor can really like help release y- your tension. Yeah. yeah. Like all those things. It's like, I understand now why mm-hmm. lullabies are a thing. And I think it's as much for the parent as it is for the child, you know? 
yeah. and now it's surprising because then the other song that I sang more when Penny was maybe like when she started napping in her own space, which was like six months or seven months. Mm-hmm. Thinking of the, my own book, you know, I love you forever. I'll like you for always. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we sing that, and now it is it is in the canon. Like there are three songs two or three songs that we sing before bedtime every night and it's always every every which is i love you forever oh like two years later i'm still singing it every bedtime that's really sweet so that becomes this weird thing of like something you cling to and then like they cling to and then and then yeah like she can probably sing it oh she sings it she sings it with wow and then and she just recently added to the canon for the beauty of the earth, which she knows. Oh, <laughs> just like. Oh, that's that's really special. But it's also weird to like. It makes me think a lot of liturgy and things of like. Yeah, sometimes they're words you cling to, and sometimes I just say them to say them because I need to go to the next thing. I have to just put her to bed, and I'm like done. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's yeah. in anger, and sometimes it's. In- <laughs> angry singing really nostalgic eye contact lovey cuddle moment <laughs> right right the song that we have um there's something else this is i was wondering about for you because you didn't talk about it too much on the episode a little bit um mm-hmm. But I was just wondering what, like, your personal physical recovery has been like. You talk about, like, your arms being sore and your voice being hoarse, which I I love those, like, physical surprises, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Your episiotomy that you're healing from and, like, which would be, like, the equivalent of, you know, vaginal tears. Mm -hmm. Oh, just wanted to open it up to, like, care. Oh, yeah. Physically and what has healing been like for you yeah it was it's been tougher than I definitely way tougher than I expected and I don't know how to compare it to anybody else's experience I would imagine it's easier than most people it's been easier than most people's because I had a low intervention um like unmedicated labor that wasn't complicated I didn't have a c-section I didn't have my episiotomy was like pretty it was only second degree Mm -hmm. um and like but given all of those things that like make it not that bad I I really expected to bounce back Mm -hmm. quicker and feel better quicker and um maybe like there's so many things where I'm like, how do I know how to compare my experience to anybody else's, you know, like even labor, it's like, how do I know that this felt for me, how it feels for anybody else? Like, I can't know. Um, But really, like the fatigue I felt in my whole body lingered for like, three weeks, for sure. Like this week, I felt Mm -hmm. better. But it, it took a full three weeks to not feel physically weak in a big way. You know, like not even just like a little extra week, but like I need to sit on the couch all day week, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we like finally took our first family walk the other day where we like walked around the neighborhood. 
but before then that just like truly didn't feel possible and even moving around the house felt hard Mm. and and not even like my stitches were painful for like two weeks Mm -hmm. um and definitely initially like was in a lot of pain um just like in my in my whole like bottom area in my pelvis and my um the stitches there yeah like it was I was really tender um but now like I think now I've turned a corner in recovery and I feel way more like in my body for real Mm -hmm. um and that's really good because I but I just I expected that to come way sooner and it was hard it was hard to not feel like I could like go like carry things around and do the dishes and you know things I shouldn't have been doing but that I wanted to do (laughs) just for even like a sense of normalcy or like empowerment yeah yeah like I just had to ask for so much help and Isaiah did everything and (laughs) it was incredible like he was incredible Mm -hmm. but I just felt really really low physically Mm -hmm. Um, and so, so now I'm like, oh man, like, what would it even be to be like recovering from surgery or like if my tear was fourth degree or, you know, like I now just have this like much greater perspective of just how intense labor and delivery are for the body and how every postpartum mother is like truly recovering. Mm -hmm. And I really, the midwives told me like the like the placenta has left a wound in your body like you are in wound recovery mode and that was that helped me to know like okay there's like a like large place where an organ has detached and that needs to heal and for that to heal I have to like really take it easy I'd never heard it called like a wound before and I think that framing that is so powerful did they specifically say like the wound inside your uterus yeah yeah, they said like there's a there's like a like your uterus is is a wound recovery zone right now. <laughs> yeah, which was so helpful. Like I never thought mm-hmm. about it that way. Mm-hmm. And I also bled way longer than I thought I would, and I think longer than is normal. But th- there's like a large range of normal. But I like bled longer than the internet would have led I- me to believe, which um, freaked me out them too. Question: Did we- did you? Yeah. Because I this feels like the standard of care, but I don't know if it's different at a birth center. Did you have a shot of pitocin after delivery? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. Feels like yeah. Yeah. After. Standard. Yes. Yeah. Like basically immediately after Tommy was born, I was given a shot of pitocin, and that that made the delivery of my placenta was really easy. Mm-hmm. Um. Like, it was very quick, and I didn't have a significant hemorrhage, and I think the, like, I was happy to receive yeah. that Pitocin. It, I think it helped. Yeah. Um, but it was also such a weird sensation to be able to, like, feel my uterus for the first two weeks, too, and, like, know ah. where it was and feel it getting smaller, but also, like, I just could, I could feel it in such a weird way, like a little tennis ball. You know, also something I think that is unique about your story too is not everybody gives birth at birth center. And I was thinking about this when I was, you know, getting texts from you of like, okay, I'm going home. And you were going home within, was it the first 24 hours? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, we went home like six hours after Tommy. Okay, was yeah, born. that's that's so. I think the yeah, it's really quick. If you get, give birth at a hospital, is like two days. Yeah. Oh yeah, that would have been it's really different. Really different, really different. And I, I, I don't mean so much for pros and cons but I think one thing that's helpful or at least is just like imagining yourself as still kind of like an invalid like still thinking like I'm on I'm really still in recovery mode like oh yeah like if I was still at the hospital it would make sense to stay in bed exclusively and cuddle to the bathroom like that's what I remember like oh my goodness my husband Matt I don't know how much he wants me chatting about it, but I'll do this shout out. He just loved staying at the hospital. He was just like, really <laughs> fun, kind of like a vacation mode. And I was just like, what? <laughs> That's really And he just like, we had a nice setup. We both had nice beds. The hospital, everybody was really kind to us. And like the baby's like you know, still recovering from birth. So she's like, you know, sleeping the whole time and we're learning breastfeeding. But it is very, we were also at an educational hospital, so they had a lot of resources and there were a lot of like, a lot of help. We were given a lot of help within those first two days. So that's one part. Mm. But I can also imagine as thinking about my second, I'd probably prefer to do a birth center. I've even thought about a home birth because I think, oh, just how easy it can be to rest in your own bed and in your own home, how valuable that is. Um, yeah. Yeah, we were like, or maybe Isaiah especially was really eager to go home. Mm-hmm. And I was too, like, especially because we knew we'd be going home that day. So we were mm-hmm. sort of like, what are we waiting for? Like, let's get out of here. Let's take our baby and go, you know, but it was I had to try to pee for the first time, like three times, like it took me a long time to figure out how to relax my muscles again and like yeah. access peeing as a bodily process Mm -hmm. you know like I I will I think I'll always remember that feeling of like I I can't like I don't know how to pee and I need to like I can't go home until I pee and if I can't do it they're gonna have to put in a catheter and like you know all these things that I was like oh already so challenging Mm -hmm. you know Mm yeah yeah and right now, like you're generally feeling when's so I I had a question too of like what did your checkups look like? Have you seen anybody since you left? Oh like, yeah. Like have you I, seen anybody? We saw someone they would have done a home visit if it wasn't for oh. COVID nineteen. And I think it was like two days postpartum. Um, but we like went to the birth center and I saw a nurse. Um, and she did things for both me mm-hmm. and for the baby. Like that's when his hearing test was, um, and like the heel prick test. Um, and we did some lactation stuff and breastfeeding checking and, um, and then also she just like asked me a lot of questions about how I was feeling and did blood pressure and vital signs and stuff. Um, and then I also had a telehealth appointment, I think two weeks postpartum. Um, and my next thing is yeah. until six weeks. Hmm. Well, I'm glad. Yeah. But the the midwives are very accessible via phone or um, 
like there's an emailing system and I've used the emailing a lot. Like I send messages about okay. all kinds of things. Um, yeah. Yeah. That was, that's just still like my biggest rage and grievance with the healthcare system is that, you know, if I guess if you have a baby at the hospital, you're getting checked two days after and then yeah. you're not really seen until or engaged with until six weeks after but every other day yeah. or every week with the baby to the pediatrician it's just, I know it's like it's I need, very I need weird thing. and I think I, in a lot of ways I don't think doctors and are fully prepared to care for the mother after they're really prepared to care for the baby after unless they have extra yeah. training Sensitivity. And then you sometimes get really blessed with like a really good pediatrician who's, I don't know for you, but for my screen check, like they did, I had to take every time I took my daughter into the pediatrician those first couple of weeks, I had to do a, a depression screening. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah, they haven't done that at my okay. pediatrician. The midwife okay. center has done it um, with my two week appointment. But yeah, so they gave me that at, you know, I think all the way until six months. But Interesting. Wow. That's office, really cool. Which I'm grateful. I'm like, we're trying to make it more holistic. I see that. I'm glad for that. But at the same time, I'm like, this could be a lot better and a lot more. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, and, and one other thing I <laughs> I want to note is that like, I had this big resurgence mm, of bleeding mm-hmm. at like two and a half weeks postpartum and everything on the internet says like you should be done bleeding by two weeks, like for sure. And if you're not, it could be secondary postpartum mm. hemorrhage. So I got super freaked out. And, and honestly, like at one point I was like, do I have to go to the emergency room? Like what, what is the, I, I couldn't tell what the range yeah. of normal was. Um, And it really scared me. Um, But when I talked to the midwife about it, they told me about the placental scab, which is that like the wound makes a scab and then around two weeks that scab comes off and it creates new bleeding. But nobody told me that, you know, like there's so many things where it's like if this is like Mm -hmm. a known thing that your placenta is create it you your placenta detaches it makes a wound that wound makes a scab and then at about two weeks but not exactly two weeks like there's a range you know like that scab is going to come off and you're going to have new bright red bleeding you know like there was no language about that just having it laid out like that would have made me so much less afraid but instead, it was all like if you're bleeding bright red past three days postpartum like you might have secondary postpartum hemorrhage and you you should you could be dying you know like well it was so it was really a weird like brain spot for me glad you reached out to why talk you through that yeah (laughs) wild thing with so much (laughs) of it is it's like how much do you preload and educate because how much mm-hmm. are you going to retain and remember and how much do you just like say like lean in and call people for help and help people walk you through it yeah. and just have a really robust support system because you can't know all those things really and 
Yeah, Mm -hmm. you can't. You can't. Yeah. I think think that is the question. Yikes. It's a really good question. Wow. And kind of connected to that question, a lot of your um the podcast talk your recording talked about this kind of tension between the message boards and calling the experts and I just wanted to like <laughs> say just how proud of you I am as a friend you advocating for yourself taking care of yourself and reaching out for help and you've done that all along the way and that's just so good to see and that's the biggest thing I Thanks. like want moms and like my friends oh there's Bobo yeah. sorry Bobo. quiet Bobo so, you know you're not alone there are like people to walk you through these things that have the answers that can mm-hmm. but like, yeah there is still you talked about this need for like the personal or the narrative or like maybe it's the witnessing like moms needing to see each other like so what are your thoughts about the message boards versus like you know phoning in the expert oh man I mean I have I've remained as a lurker on the message boards, I can't look away. Like I'm fascinated by the message boards because I think it's like, and in in some, there have been a few moments where they've truly Mm -hmm. been helpful for me. Like even just recently, there were like three or four days where Tommy like wouldn't sleep all day where he would just like, he wasn't upset. He wasn't crying. He was just like wide-eyed looking around. And it was so weird because everything I was reading was saying like newborns need to sleep every 60 minutes and if they don't they're gonna get super overtired and it's really bad like you have to make sure they sleep so I was Mm. really stressed out but then I looked at the message board and like I couldn't find like any real good like official information about that on the internet and I was thinking about like calling the people but of course, in my like searching, I just was like, well, let me look at the message boards. And there were like a bunch of messages about people with like three or four week old babies where they were like, help, my baby suddenly won't sleep. And I don't know why. And it's super weird. And I'm very confused. And and it was basically like all these people just like commiserating about this same <laughs> mystery. And there wasn't there weren't any solutions there were just like everybody else being like, oh my gosh, me too. Like, this is so weird. Ha ha ha. And it just like completely relaxed me because I realized like, okay, there isn't like, like any expert I think would say like, just keep doing what you're doing. Like it's going to change. It'll be okay. But I needed just the other moms being like, what the heck? Like, why won't my baby sleep when they're three and a half weeks old? You know, like, I just needed to see that it wasn't happening to just me and just my kid and all of that. But I think the, the like troubling thing about the message boards is when there are people on them that are like asking questions that need to be answered Mm -hmm. by a professional. And there's a lot of that. There's like, it's like mostly that, which is just like, it's, that's not bad necessarily, but it just makes Uh me sad. It just makes me feel like, I want that support mm-hmm. for them. Oh, my baby is crying, so I might need to feed him soon. 
but Isaiah's getting him out of out no, of his we can bed. do whatever you need to do. Oh, he's so I think Isaiah will change him probably. He took a good nap. Good for him. I gotta record this in my mm-hmm. baby app. That was almost Amazing. a two hour nap. Look at him go. Oh. And he fell asleep by himself. Rock star. I need to like not jinx. Oh, it, that it's because... like it's gonna come and gonna come and go. <laughs> yeah. Gonna Life. come and go. <laughs> like everything else. Oh, and Bobo's barking. Wow, we have a super fun pandemonium. I just wanted to like affirm what you said about maybe like be that it's not you alone. Like other moms have experienced this, so yet it's not like a crisis. And like I think that's where you concern. And trust your vision. Like, is this yeah. a crisis, an emergency, a challenge that like could go expert, or is this something where I just need to like make sure, like, in the narrative of all the other women, mothers, and babies. Yeah, yeah, and it's and I I will say that like, I am really thankful that I have so many like professionals mm-hmm. that I can reach out to that I feel really comfortable with that are mm-hmm. super accessible to me. Like, I already feel really grateful for the pediatrician I have, for the midwives. Like, they've been incredible. And I even have, like, multiple friends, including you, that are doulas or birth workers that I know, like, know some true things about what's going on, you know? So, like, I have people I can text. I have people I can call. I have people I can email. Like, I am rich in resources, and I want to acknowledge that, that there's so many people willing to help me willing to like bring me food or like, you know, so, and I know not everybody has that. And I, and I see evidence of people who maybe really are under-resourced like on these message boards, you know, and, and it is cool to see people being like Mm -hmm. supportive in that way on the message boards too, where like every so often a mom will respond to be like, you should reach out to your pediatrician about that. Or like, yeah. You know, like trying to like nudge people toward back toward the professionals, which is really just like other moms doing that mm-hmm. for these moms. But that always pleases me when it's like when the peer to peer nature of the message board yeah. becomes like yeah. back toward the Ooh. expert, you know. Interesting. But also it really ah. is just very mm-hmm. fascinating to see like what what people are stressed about. And, and also just to affirm that, like, this is so stressful for so many different reasons. And there's so many things that are so confusing, you know? Uh, Do you remember reading or did you ever read Raising, is it Raising Small Animals in the Age of Fear? Parenting in the Age of Fear? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's just called Small Animals is the title. Yeah. Yes, by Kim, by Brooks. Kim Brooks. But like, I she talks a lot about like anxiety and fear and the internet and I just relate to a lot of what mm-hmm. she was saying because I think like sometimes I wonder is like this is this our generation because we have the internet because we like have a scope of knowledge have moms like always been this anxious and this afraid or was it- well I- even recently I think there is 
something to that because I've even noticed recently because I've been like obviously Googling Mm -hmm. a lot of like sleep stuff because the recent anxiety is like, why isn't my baby sleeping? And immediately like every targeted (sighs) ad on my every social media was for like baby sleep gurus who you can like pay whatever money to Mm -hmm. get their e-course to learn the perfect like to basically like hack your baby into sleeping right and they're all kind of the same and they're all kind of different and they're all supposedly the best one and it's just like you like it's truly crazy how many there people there are like trying to like teach you how to do this thing where like it's not that teachable and it's kind of like or maybe it is like maybe you can hack your four week old, but I don't think you can. Mm-hmm. So that's been like, I think there is sort of like a special intensity of the internet that can really make you feel like you're failing when you're not, yeah. um, and can make you spend a lot more money than you want mm-hmm. to or should, or you know, because then like I mean I think this the scary thing there too is like if I were to like buy one of these courses and try to do it and then still not have it work, like that would really feel bad, you know? Yes. So that's just been super on my mind now, four weeks in. It's very interesting. And I just think, I don't know, I think part of it too is a little bit of the rift between like us and the older generation and like able to really – Mm-hmm. lean into our mothers and our aunts knowledge a lot of like safety yep. changes have changed with babies or how they sleep or even some parenting models that have changed a lot of like the rise of like connecting and bonding parenting you know like attachment parenting I think is the technical like philosophy that kind of rub against mm-hmm. um, the generation that was raised by like baby boomers kind of see this like yeah I think that's was something I struggled with was like not not really wanting to call and ask my mom about things but not wanting to go on the messaging boards because I was like don't want to be in a spiral of fear and unknown kind of wanting to trust my own inner knowledge but also well what do I know yeah and like having to be humble and realize no actually sometimes I do need to just like call my mom and, yeah. like, not sweat the thing. Like, I remember my mom visiting me, I think, like, six weeks after I had Penny. And she just held her most of the time. Obviously, she wanted to do that as, like, the grandmother. But it also just, like, made me relax of, like, there's a lot less that I need to be doing or stressing about. Just the most yeah. important thing being, like, connection and bonding. And, yeah. Yeah. Like, the best thing I can do yeah. is just hold my baby yeah. or let someone and, else like, hold her. It's, it's not going to be okay, yeah. but yeah, that's, I think maybe for yeah. other conversations on the pod of just this, what do you do about generational gaps and like trying to find, yeah, like are these things taught or do you just learn them or that of part of our society? Yeah. And this is part of my mind, like that works on a macro scale and thinks about society and institutions and care and like kind of the breakdown of the extended family like because that happened like is that made it all harder yeah oh man it really did I I don't 
No, I don't know I what don't the answer know. is. But I'm really curious about that's it. That's just a theme to return to. It's just an ambient question uh. for the room. <laughs> yeah. It's incredible to me, like, how much learning there is in having to care for a newborn. Like, it's not there is a lot of inner knowledge and it's been really interesting to like tap mm-hmm. into that and see, see what I can intuit and what I just know. But also it's interesting when I really don't know. And when the advice surprises me and when like, you know, and, and really just like how many things I couldn't absorb yeah. until I had to do it. Here, I'm going to grab my baby to feed him. What weird. Oh. I'm walking. Okay, Tommy, come here. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's what... That really surprised me is how much, like, the, the like, like more specific things mm-hmm. about infant care, I guess. I just, like, really couldn't absorb mm-hmm. until I had mm-hmm. to do it. And, and just, like... I mean, a lot of people talk about this, I think, but, like, there really is, like, so much preparation yes. for pregnancy and for labor, and they just, like, really, like, teach you so much about labor, which is interesting because, in a lot of ways, labor is just going to happen how it's going to happen, and you, you can't, like, it doesn't mm-hmm. depend on your choices that much, whereas newborn care, like, you really have to keep your wits about you. You have to make choices and those choices matter. And like, you have to decide what to do next. And it's not just your body. It also, you know, like it's really Mm -hmm. different than labor. And in some ways, I think the balance of preparation should be really shifted. But, but also like, I think I couldn't quite absorb the, um, Oh, yeah, like, because we even, like, we took a newborn care class. It was, like, virtual on Zoom. And it was great. Like, it was everything you need to know. But I could just, like, feel my brain, like, not mm-hmm. taking the information in as it was being given to me. Because I was, like, it was almost like my head was, like, I don't need to know this yet. Yeah. Like, don't worry about it. Because it's really stressful. Mm-hmm. And it's scary. And it tells you right away, like, you're going to not sleep. You're going to have to use your body to feed this baby. And it might be really hard and it's probably going to hurt. And, you know, like every, every piece of it is overwhelming. So in self-defense, I think my brain was like, don't worry about that yet. Like, yeah. don't go there. It'll be okay. Yeah. Like you'll figure it out when you need to. And I did, but. Yeah. This is my heart though. It's just like, you don't need to be alone I think this is extra hard because we're living through COVID but like under more Mm -hmm. normal I don't know our new normal circumstances you would have people in and out of your home you know helping you and teaching you know like you have that and and also just I've been becoming more and more interested like I did the birth and labor doula training first just kind of like seems like that's how you start but I've always been like more intrigued by the postpartum because of like it's not yes. prepared for enough like and just like I'm just really interested in in that transformation like I'm just so interested in what's going on with the mom <laughs> and 
what yeah. life yeah. is like. But well, and I've I've felt far more uncertain postpartum than I ever did while pregnant. Yeah. You know, because I mean, pregnancy is such a like a state of like held breath, kind of like you really can't do anything besides Mm -hmm. drink enough water and like eat as nutritiously as you can and like try Mm -hmm. to get rest you know like you nothing you're doing is building the the baby you know but now it's like I again it's like that state of action like I have to act and over and over continually all day every day to like take care of this baby and I feel like I need much more care now and much more like gentleness and like check-in and like, you know, like it's just way more rigorous and stressful and scary and, and even like hormonally, like it feels more intense. Yes. Yeah. Just a truly wild time. We were we were talking about birth workers and like how what is that special quality that they have and that was cool in several moments where like you were met by somebody, um, and serve mm-hmm. you and just yeah. hold you and and their warmth, um, and you were like and you said something like I don't know what it is maybe it's wisdom, and it really reminded me of that. Mm-hmm as soon as you said it like that, I thought of the like divine wisdom and how like wisdom is described in uh, the Bible and Hebrew scriptures and as like a feminine wisdom. It's like the Greek the feminine. And I was just like, yeah. it's just this divine feminine that we need. We just need this divine feminine energy. It's <laughs> like yeah. present in, yeah. in, in men and women. And it's just amazing when you can find that. Yeah, I've, like, felt mm-hmm. myself being mothered by lots of people, like, and very specifically, like, the the people that were there to, like, take care of me, like, the lactation consultant I saw, and literally, like, the midwives that were there while I was pushing, like, they were just, like, mm-hmm. really maternal, um, even just in, like, their age, like, both of the midwives that tended to me were, like, one was, wow. I think, in her 60s, um, and one was a little younger than that, but, um, like, it just was, I I felt really mothered and really, like, looked, looked after by mothers, and actually, like, multiple of the people that were caring for me, like, brought up their own children mm-hmm. while I was there, which I just, am, I'm just remembering that now, they, like, just for, in, like, like kind of in passing like oh my daughter mm-hmm. did this or like like not even talking to me but like talking to each other or like yes. just talking about their kids and I got to ask mm-hmm. like oh how old is your kid and like just to remember like all these people mm-hmm. did this too mm-hmm. and they're helping me and you know and I think like right now I I really like in becoming a mother I like know that I need to be mothered and I got to spend Mm -hmm. a lot of time with my mom um and with Isaiah's mom and that was also just like just really good to be in the presence of my own mothers 
not even like in any specific way but just like this is the time to like sit on the same couch as my mom for like we like my dad Mm -hmm. took this special picture of me holding Tommy and my mom's on the other side of the couch and it just feels like this like generational like you know like I'll cherish that picture forever of uh, me and my mom and wh- my what kid, was that release you know? like after so long quarantining and then to like be in a room family oh my gosh like so weird <laughs> yeah because both sets of grandparents but also like for you weren't seeing days. anybody during your pregnancy like I just others like Amy has been like in her home for nine months for this pandemic. Yeah, I was super, super quarantined, super careful about COVID. I mean, so everybody has been, but I think I was like, just especially scared of getting sick. And especially toward the end, um, if I had been exposed to COVID-19, I wouldn't have been allowed to birth at the birth center. And I really didn't want to go to the hospital. Um, just because of how crazy hospitals are right now. So, um, yeah, I, I like truly haven't left my house very much except for doctor's appointments and taking walks outside sometimes. Um, so the minute Isaiah's parents arrived and like walked through the door and I could like hug them, I was actually like, yeah, it really kind of shocked me in a weird way, but it also felt so normal. And so like, of course, yeah. people can be in my house. Like, this is what a house is for. Like, I you know, I listening to you. Yeah. And then the Isaiah's parents were here for a couple of days. And then like, my parents were taking the few days after that. So there was one night where they like overlapped and they were all mm-hmm. in the house at once. And that was also so weird we had like people around our table and I at that point was like feeling really fatigued so I was like sitting on the couch so I was like looking over at everybody around the table and it was just this like really surreal moment of like this is what I dreamed of like all year basically was like having my baby getting to like share him with his family and like like, what a sweet and, like, satisfying and also, like, hard one and, like, mm-hmm. extra precious moment right now, you know? Because, like, so easily any of us could have gotten sick or, you know, like, anything could have happened. But somehow we all, like, made it in safety to this place that mm-hmm. I had hoped for for mm-hmm. so long, you know? Yeah. Thank you for sharing that moment. Ugh. Yeah. Oh, man. I mean, we could do probably a whole episode about the pandemic and how it relates to, I don't know. It's just like, I don't know how Mm -hmm. to separate my pregnancy from the pandemic and now my postpartum experience. It just feels so interwoven in a a way I wish wasn't the case, but obviously just like can't separate. Um, Yeah, it just is what it is. And Yeah. Who knows when Tommy will like, you know, get to like touch people normally. We'll see. Uh, You were talking about some foods that you were eating and I always think that's really interesting. Like what taking and I actually talked (laughs) about this in my audio diary. 
Yay! I um, can't wait to but, listen to like, yours. What are your postpartum foods? Like, what food are you taking to the island? But like, really nourished right now. Oh my gosh! What are you enjoying? Well, I will say, like, food is really a challenge for me in general. I have OCD, and a lot of it settles on like food safety, anxiety, just like eating is always challenging for me. But in sort of like a a special blessing, like Mm -hmm. some of that has been released in postpartum, like I just don't feel it doesn't feel as close the OCD, which is really good. Um, I I, it's probably some sort of hormonal thing. Um, Or it's just like, I can't think Mm -hmm. about it because I'm thinking about too many other things. But who knows? But anyway, I've been, I've had very little appetite, which is interesting to me because I'm breastfeeding. So I thought I would be like super hungry, but I'm really like not that hungry. And I kind of have to like force myself to eat. But what I've really enjoyed eating is pastries. I've eaten a ton of pastries, like donuts and croissants and like danishes. And like really like anytime we leave the house, we like try to get a treat somewhere. Perfect. Um, <laughs> and like really beautiful like special pastries on mm. Christmas day I made cinnamon rolls like that's been definitely postpartum pastry is a huge theme for me mm. which I didn't know would be a thing it just was what I wanted to eat so that and scrambled eggs oh, so much awesome. scrambled eggs That's my, like, main protein right Mm. now is lots of scrambled eggs. (laughs) Oh, well, thank you for asking me all these things. It's, like, it's really good to revisit Mm -hmm. some of the earlier days because it's, like, already that feels so long ago, which is crazy it's only been four weeks but that four weeks feels kind of like a lifetime so yeah I'm I'm already like fascinated by how much things have changed and how how wide the distance feels you know yes you've you've gone so far yeah come so actually yeah self and from your I wrote this down I think you said this when you were looking for something on your phone but you said I'm finding my way and I was like oh Amy you are finding your way like it just really (laughs) hit me and I'm like it sounded like a poem in itself like I'm finding my way moving through it I'm finding my way and yeah you've done (sighs) so much and so much yeah I am already feeling like Isaiah has to go back to work soon. And I think that's going to be like a new chapter is leaving the like, uh, like I feel myself leaving the like immediate mm-hmm. postpartum time where you have to sort of start to like integrate a little bit. And and I'm not expecting to like, like I'm really trying to keep the like fourth trimester mindset where it's like, okay, like these first three months truly mm-hmm. are like everything's up in the air, you know, but but even the like marker yeah. of Isaiah having to go back to work is like, okay, like I'm going to have whole days where it's just me and the baby and the dog and, you know, whatever we, how however we can move through those days, you know, and like part of me wants to keep like 
deeply cherishing the time and another part of me is like I hope those days go quickly you know like and I think it's both of those things but I did want to like acknowledge that I'm feeling this like anxiety about what comes next yeah big change big change and also like you know the like kind of like awesome but chilling realization that like I'm I'm gonna be Tommy's mom every day of his life and my life you know like there's no this is the new thing and it's not gonna go away you know and I don't want it to go away but obviously like it's just a huge huge shift for me internally and sometimes that feels good and sometimes it feels bad and I want to like be honest about that too you know so this will be an ongoing talk about conversation (laughs) when we leave (laughs) yeah yeah and I'm really excited I mean the next episode will be Sophia's audio diary about you mothering your almost two and a half year old which is still postpartum but just from a different spot on the island you know so I'm so excited to hear what you were thinking about and then talk to you about it soon grateful for my parents shout out to them for watching my toddler so that Okay, keep well, going. Keep, keep going. Tommy. Keep going. Keep <laughs> finding your way. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of This Island Postpartum. Um, we'll be back sometime in the next few weeks um, with episode three, which will be an audio diary from Sophia as she parents her toddler. Um, so you know, still postpartum, just a little further down the road, um, dealing with different things, but also a lot of the same things. So really looking forward to that. Again, not sure when it'll come out, but just keep an eye on social media. You can follow us on Instagram at, um, oh, what is the handle? Let me find it. Oh, this island postpartum with dots between all the words. Um, yeah and we'll be back soon reach out to us if you have any questions or thoughts and we're excited to keep talking about what it is like to emerge on the other side of having a child see you next time bye